I'm gonna sing this song to let you know that you're not alone. All right. Greetings, everybody. Here is our podcast for March 27th, uh, and we have just jumped into the next section, which will be on uh, sort of Peter and the early church. Now, just a quick recap, if you remember from last week, uh, we kind of, uh, the, the parts with Jesus have kind of moved on. We've kind of out of the Gospels, and uh, as Jesus is ascending up into heaven, Remember, Jesus also promises that the Holy Spirit is going to be with him, and he, he they will be his witnesses to uh, see Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So it's moving, right? Things are moving and going. And what's really kind of cool is that what what starts to take place is the disciples beginning to sort of move and go and and being drawn to all these different places. And so we, we then heard the story of the Spirit hitting them, and that just really propelling them out, beginning to connect to people. And if you remember, 3,000 people are part of this church. And I always think this is kind of interesting if you think about it. I mean, they go in the course of a couple of days, right, uh, from a church, a group of people who are trying to follow Jesus of you know, maybe 12 people, um, and now they're 3,000. I mean, it's huge. Things are amazing. Things are happening. And especially early on, um, and this is how what will happen as we, see, as we start walking through Luke, things are actually going pretty well. You find um, all of a sudden Peter is doing this amazing, amazingly good work, this thing, the kind of things that Jesus would do. So he goes and he heals people. Um, he's able to tell them more about... Uh, uh, about God and begin to sort of proclaim all these wonderful and amazing things that God has been up to. So again, you kind of see how Peter is being a witness, and and that kind of gets shared as they move along. There's this great passage uh, that I just want to share with you. We're going to talk a little bit about it too, Um, but it is in Acts 4, so I'm just going to read that really quickly. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned they owned was held in common. With great power the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as they had any need. There was a Levite, a native of Cyprus, Joseph, to whom the apostles gave the name Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the disciples' feet. And so you get this sort of wonderful story about here is all the wonderful things that are happening. They're they're doing the things that God wanted them to do. That's wonderful and great. And then there's a little bit of a backlash, right? And so um, first off, there are people who, as much as everybody else is trying to to give of all that they all that they have, there's a couple of people who instead. Uh, kind of hold back or kind of don't want to be as generous as everybody else. And then after that, the persecution starts. Now, we don't talk about persecution a whole, whole lot, um, but this is when essentially different groups of people get angry about these early Christians, I guess, right? 
And so uh, the first group of people who get really angry at them is uh, the sort of Jewish leaders, right? So these are the religious leaders. These would be, uh, if we had to compare it now, it would be like bishops, or I guess I would kind of be a part of that too. I mean, it would be people like that, right? People who have sort of a vested interest that things need to keep going the way that they've always gone. And so they get really angry about it, and so they arrest people, uh, they throw them into prison, and eventually we're going to meet this person named Saul, and uh, and Saul is kind of the one who helps lead the first uh, martyr, and that's for usually the way we talk about martyrs are the first people who are killed for their faith, right? And that's a person named Stephen. And so um, uh, this person named Saul is the one who sort of uh, uh, leads this charge, and Stephen gives this great testimony to um, wanting them to be forgiven, which might sound a little familiar because it's exactly what Jesus said too. So all of that though builds to, and we're going to talk a little, we're going to talk a whole lot more about this guy Saul though in a few weeks, just as a hint, because um, he becomes somebody a little important as we're going along. But the last thing I want us to do is just talk a little bit about one particular chapter, and that's Acts of the Apostles 10. Um, and the reason why is that there's this really fascinating thing that happens in the midst of all of it. Um, and it's between Peter and another person named Cornelius. So here we go. All right, here's Acts 10, and we're going to use the Message Bible just to give us a little bit different uh, sounding thing here. There was a man named Cornelius who lived in Caesarea, captain of the Italian guard stationed there. He was a thoroughly good man. He had led everyone in his house to live worshipfully before God, was always helping people in need, and had the habit of prayer. One day, about three o'clock in the afternoon, he had a vision. An angel of God, as real as his next-door neighbor, came in and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared hard, wondered if he was seeing things, then he said... What do you want, sir? All right, here's what you're to do. Send men to Joppa, it's a little, a little uh, town by the sea, to get Simon, the one everyone calls Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is down by the sea. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two servants and one particularly devout soldier from the guard. He went over with them in great detail everything that had been happened, and they sent him off to Joppa. The next day, as the three travelers were approaching the town, Peter went out on the balcony to pray. It was about noon. Peter got hungry and started thinking about lunch. And while lunch was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the skies open up. Something like, like a huge blanket lowered by ropes at its four corners settled on the ground. And every kind of animal and reptile and bird you can think of was on it. And then a voice said, Go to it, Peter. Kill and eat. And Peter said, Oh no, Lord, I've never so much as tasted food that was not kosher. And the voice came a second time. If God says it's okay, it's okay. And this happened three times, and then the blanket was pulled back up into the skies. As Peter, puzzled, sat there trying to figure out what it all meant, the men sent by Cornelius showed up at Simon's front door. Cornelius was expecting them, had his relatives and close friends waiting with him. And the minute Peter came through the door, Cornelius was up on his feet greeting him, and then down on his face worshipping him. Peter pulled him up and said, None of that. I'm a man and only a man, no different than you. Talking things over, they went on in the house, where Cornelius introduced Peter to everyone who had come. Peter addressed them, You know, I'm sure that this is highly irregular. Jews don't just do this, visit and relax with people of another race. But God has shown me that no race is better than any other. 
So the minute I was sent for, I came. No questions asked. But now I'd like to know why you sent for me. Cornelius said, well, four days ago I was at home praying and suddenly there was a man right in front of me. And he said, Cornelius, your daily prayers and neighborly acts have brought you to God's attention. So send for Simon, the one they call Peter. So I did it. I sent for you and you've been good enough to come. And now we're all here in God's presence, ready to listen to whatever the master put in your heart to tell us. And Peter fairly exploded with his good news. It's God's own truth. Nothing could be plainer. God plays no favorites. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door is open. The message he sent to the people of Israel, that through Jesus Christ, everything is being put together again. Well, he's doing it everywhere, among everyone. All right, we're going to stop there. It keeps going for a little bit longer. And so here is, I mean, so this is a revolutionary thing in some ways, right? I, I mentioned this maybe last week that um, up until this point, everybody who had been following Jesus had this one thing in common, and that was they were all Jewish. And now that's starting to change. All of a sudden we have Cornelius. Cornelius is a, a Roman centurion, right? Which means he's a, a he's a big fancy soldier, right? He's got He's a little higher up than everybody else. And you have him that's going to be a part of this. Um, and and you get this image of the of the blanket, sort of the picnic of all the different uh, animals that are now allowed to be eaten. Which is, by the way, why uh, we don't follow under the same kosher laws as Jewish people, because we have sort of this instruction from Acts that says it doesn't really matter anymore. So here's what I want you to think a little bit more about. So the first thing is about thinking about the early bunch of people in the church and as they're trying to sort of proclaim all the good things that God has done and share all the things that they have in common. Talk a little bit about that. What do you think? Would you like that? Would you like to live in a church where, or in some kind of community where, um, gosh, it would be nice to just kind of share everything that you had and, and kind of live in that? What are the dangers that might come from living in that way? And the other thing is, is to just think a little bit about how is it that we still kind of divide ourselves up, right? So Peter says it pretty clearly. God doesn't play any favors, favors, uh, favorites. Sorry, um, God doesn't seem to care about all the divisions that we put in. So why do we still do it? So what are some ways in which you've seen that and experienced that too? All right, y'all take care. I'm gonna see you on Wednesday. Bye. Just might be the prettiest thing you'll ever see. Well, it's a new day, I'll be.